You're listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, recorded in the studio of Maine Magazine at 75 Market Street, Portland, Maine. Download past shows and become a podcast subscriber of Dr. Lisa Belial on iTunes. See the Dr. Lisa website or Facebook page for details. Here are some highlights from this week's program. Money is a stand-in for what we value. And so to use money properly, what we need to do is align it with our values and get into valuing tremendously what it brings us because money is just a tool. And so, yeah, when it comes to paying your bills every month, I love renaming them invoices for blessings already received. Really taking that time as you're paying those invoices for blessings already received to relive the value of the things that you have gotten instead of saying, ugh, I have to pay bills again. You gotta get connected to your money. If you don't understand why to save, if you don't understand why you should have some money, if you can't hold on to money, if you don't realize that it can have value beyond today or yesterday, but what can it do for you tomorrow, then you're never gonna wanna have it. You're never gonna wanna actually own assets. So I personally was looking for a place that I would want to go to, to exercise and to not make it feel like a regular gym. I wanted to go beyond just the gym environment and create something like a community where people can go and hang out after the class, get to know each other, and then really generate this great energy during the class that helps people increase their fitness level. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is made possible with the support of the following generous sponsors. Maine Magazine, Marcy Booth of Booth, Maine, Apothecary by Design, Premier Sports Health, a division of Black Bear Medical, Dr. John Herzog of Orthopedic Specialists, Sea Bags, Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of Remax Heritage, Ted Carter, Inspired Landscapes, and Tom Shepard of Shepherd Financial. This is Dr. Lisa Belial, and you're listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, show number 110, Financial Fitness, airing for the first time on Sunday, October 20th, 2013. Today's guests include Kate Northrup, author of Money, A Love Story, Tom Shepard of Shepherd Financial, and Stephanie Cabot, founder, owner, and cycling instructor with Rev Cycling Studio. Financial fitness has been an important consideration for me for the past several years as I've worked through a job transition, a life transition, and um, a few other personal transitions. Back in 2011, I wrote the following about financial fitness and the low-hanging fruit. Tempting it is, and probably smart, to pick low-hanging fruit first. This notion applies to a wide variety of situations, both literal and figurative. If one is literally confronted with a fruit-laden apple tree, it makes no sense to climb over ripe produce hanging from lower branches in order to reach that which is situated closer to the top. Once the more easily accessed apples are gone, however, by necessity it is the uppermost branches which must be tackled, unless there are many other trees from which to gather fruit. If there is but a single tree, then the choice is clear. Every effort must be made to reach the top, no matter how difficult the climbing may be. This is certainly true when it comes to one's financial situation. The upward climb may be exhausting and seemingly endless. Each question begets a new question. Each financial layer peeled back reveals another financial layer, possibly previously unrealized. 
Some of the apples we pick may be wormy, some rotten, some are sweet. Every single apple is important. Each must be sought out and retrieved until someday that final apple on our financial tree will be picked and laid to rest in a basket amongst its lower hanging brethren. Then regrowth will begin. We hope you enjoy today's show on financial fitness with Kate Northrup, author of Money, A Love Story, Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial, and Stephanie Cabot of the Rev Cycling Studio. We hope that this will cause you to think about the low-hanging and not-so-low-hanging financial fruit in your own life and how you might make efforts towards your own financial fitness. Thank you for joining us. Many of us have, um, let's just say, conflicted feelings about money, and we don't always think about money and love in the same sentence. But the person who's here with me today actually does think about money and love in the same sentence, and that's because she wrote this book, Money, A Love Story, or maybe she wrote this book because she thinks about money and love together. At any rate, we're talking with Kate Northrup, who is the author of Money, A Love Story, Untangling Your Financial Woes, Creating the Life You Really Want, and Living Your Purpose. Thank you for coming in and talking with us today. Thanks for having me. Kate, it was interesting because I was reading through this book, and it came, I'm sure you're like I am, books always come sort of at the right time in your life. They show up and you go, oh, well, this is what I needed today. (laughs) And your book came just at the right time. I was sort of, um, I have a new job that I'm going to be starting, and I have um, kids in, kid in college thinking about lots of financial things. And I start reading through your book and I think, you know, there's some very interesting ideas here about thinking about money in an abundant way versus in a sort of fearful, I don't have enough kind of way, which is important. Yeah. Ta- and it's a different perspective than most financial advice or, or works out there that are really focused on um, only the nuts and bolts, only the dollars and cents. And and to me, money is a lot more than that. It's so emotional for people. So we don't want to leave that off the table. You came to this uh, conclusion that money and love are interwoven. And really, it's not that you have to be in love with money. It's just that it sort of enables you to do the things that you want to do. It's a currency. That's yep. what it is. But you came to this after having spent quite a long time yourself um, talking about money with people. And I, I, I don't think that um, this is, I'm not saying anything disparaging when I say you were acting like the money expert, going around the country lecturing, but in the meantime, you had this deep, dark secret. Yeah. So what happened is I kind of fell by accident into this role of teaching people about money because I built a successful business in the network marketing industry. And so I had a team of people that I was working with. And then I started giving workshops. And I my business was doing well, but I was only focused on the making money part. And I had completely ignored the part about how much you spend and what you actually do with the money once it comes in. And that's a really important part of the equation. It's at least half, if not more. And I got myself into over $20,000 worth of credit card debt. And, you know, as I've been going around telling this story and meeting people, I found out that's actually not that uncommon, which is really unfortunate. But anyway, (laughs) um, and I behind the scenes, I really my financial life was fairly chaotic and I was certainly in avoidance around it while I was out there teaching some concepts around business and cash flow and passive and residual income, which was all good stuff. I wasn't teaching people how to get out of debt, luckily. (laughs) 
but there was um, there was a disconnect and there was kind of that friction and it started to feel really inauthentic. I was um, surprised and pleased to read about the way that you went back in your genealogy a bit and talked about your father's approach to money versus your mother's approach to money and how this really shaped you because your parents got divorced when you were relatively young and you had a chance to watch both of them kind of become their own individual people and have their own individual approaches. So talk to me a little bit about that, that honesty that you were able to actually um, I, I guess, write about it in the book. Yeah, well, one of the things that's really important is when you tell a story in public, I feel like you have to have cleaned it up with the people ahead of time. So, you know, I did that a lot of work with both of my parents so that I felt like I could tell share this story from an open-hearted place um, for education and to help other people, not just to, you know, tell a juicy story. <laughs> um, and so really looking at okay, my mom's approach to money um, versus my dad's approach to money shaped how I kind of fell somewhere in the middle. And watching their different approaches and being, I was 16 when they got divorced, and really interacting with them around money individually for the first time. Because up until that point, you know, it was their shared common interest. And I didn't learn as much about it with them together because both of their money views got watered down by the other one. for better or for worse. And so seeing this contrast was cool because I saw two different approaches that really worked in certain ways and didn't work in other ways. And I was able to appreciate and pick and choose some of the perspectives that I wanted to take with me. But it's really important for everybody to look at their money history and their money love story, as I call it. And I I coach people to go through that in the first chapter because we are so shaped by what's modeled for us growing up, whether it's our health habits, whether it's our relationship habits or our financial habits. And the only way to make positive change is to first become aware of those things and kind of go down that road, not you don't have to spend years of therapy or anything. I mean, maybe you do. (laughs) I'm not saying you need to do that. But just to spend a little time saying, oh, yeah, that is what my mom used to say. That is what my dad used to say. This is what I witnessed. And how is that affecting my behavior now? It's a really important question to ask. This is a big part of what you're asking people to do. It's not just um, track your expenses every day for three months and set up a retirement fund. I mean, it's not just those things. It is really dig deep. It's have a money love journal. It's, you know, understand where you've been and where you'd like to go and, you know, where you are in the process. Um, it's a it's a different approach than I think a lot of financial um, consultant sorts have to offer. Absolutely. It is. what The thing that I found in my own journey of getting myself into and then out of $20,000 worth of debt was that the nuts and bolts of it, the spreadsheets and the the planning and the savings and all that stuff, I wasn't able to actually continue to do them until I figured out the emotional stuff first. So I had to rewire myself emotionally and mentally and change some of the perspectives and beliefs I had about money and myself. And then those strategies for getting out of debt, for building my savings, for increasing my income worked. And I actually stuck with them because I can't even tell you the number of times I tried starting a new financial program, just kind of like a similar, like a new nutrition program or new exercise program. And if you're just doing the strategies without the inner work, it doesn't stick and it's not sustainable. And then, you know, three months later, you're on a new program. 
And so that's um, that's the piece that I wanted to bring to the table, the emotional piece, because when we change how we feel about something, then that really rewires our beliefs and rewires our activity, as opposed to just starting with the activity. It's it's too far down the down the line and it won't stick. I know that one of the important things for you was to finally realize your own value. In your description of your relationship with your parents, um, you talked about a partnership you formed, a financial partnership you formed with your mother. And you described um, a series of health issues that kept taking place and kept taking place and kept taking place. You couldn't figure out what was going on. And then one day you went, oh my gosh, I know what's happening here. And it has to do with this financial relationship. That's very complicated. Yeah. (laughs) And certainly not something that most people would put together. But so so my mom is Dr. Christian Northrup. A lot of people listening, I would imagine, might be familiar with her. She wrote Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom. So as a child growing up, I really learned how our emotional lives affect our physical bodies. And so anytime I have anything going on with my body, my immediate reaction is, okay, what's going on in my life right now? What is my body trying to tell me? And so I knew this uh, issue I was having was in the second chakra, which is the area that has to do with money, sex, and power. It's around the reproductive organs. And I knew that it probably had something to do with it. But the thing that's funny about the body is it will uh, manifest stress, manifest. Our stress goes into our body usually when we're not ready to be aware of it mentally and consciously. That's why it goes into our body. So of course I couldn't figure it out for a long time because because I wasn't ready to, and then I was. And so what ended up happening is um, my mom and I worked things out and I realized I was remaining in the business with her because I felt like I wasn't enough to be out in the world doing things on my own. I felt like she had this existing brand. She had been so successful. It would be so much safer if I just didn't really have to put myself out there and if I was just behind the scenes in her brand. But what was happening is my body was saying, that's not okay. And so it wasn't anything my mom did. It was something I did. And and so after a while, I felt like that relationship business-wise was keeping me small. And what I realized is, after we had some conversations around it and unraveled things, it was also keeping her smaller you know, than, than she needed to be. And that's how it is in relationships. When one of us is playing small in a relationship, the other one is too, even though the other person may not be aware of it at the time. Like we're never serving anybody by staying when it feels constrictive. So you decided to make this radical shift. You've worked through this relationship with your mom and it's taken a while. And when I say relationship, I mean financial relationship because it seems as though you were able to largely keep things on a um, positive level uh, personally. Uh, Then you decided to kind of um, do uh, 180 and sort of get rid of everything and sort of create the own, your own like tour. Let's yeah. go cross country and let's do something different. So tell us about that. What well, what happened is I was living in New York and I was chipping away at my debt. So I was making progress, but I wasn't making progress as fast as I wanted to. You know, and I would do the projections and it was like at this rate you'll pay off your debt in, you know, 7 years or whatever and that just felt too long for me. <laughs> it just felt like Oh, you know, I want to do something else. And so what I did is I looked at, okay, well, I could move home to Maine with, and live. My mom has an, an apartment attached to her house. And I thought, great. Okay, so I'll, I'll go move to Maine. I'll pay off all my debt really fast because I'll have no living expenses and I'll take care of that. 
But every time I thought about that and I started telling people about it, I felt really constricted and almost this darkness sort of emotional darkness started to to surround me. And so that was my sign that it probably wasn't a good idea because <laughs> it didn't actually feel physically that exciting. And so all of a sudden I just got this idea. What if I, um, what if we got rid of this apartment in New York? What if I sold all my stuff? And what if I bought a Prius and took off around the country teaching workshops about creating financial freedom as I was doing it myself? And I'll call it the Freedom Tour. And it'll be this great adventure. And um, so that's what I did. (laughs) And that felt, you know, back to the physical aspect, that felt really expansive. And every time I talked about it, I felt energized. And every time um, I talked about it, I felt really excited. And so that was my sign that it was the way to go. And it also clearly created some sort of um, rise in your energy levels and what you were projecting out into the world, because somehow you end up finding this guy. I did. Well, so I had met this guy uh, six months before in Chicago, and we had kept in touch a little bit, but nothing, you know, nothing in particular. And then all of a sudden, when I was leaving on the road trip, about two weeks out, I thought to myself, I really probably shouldn't drive alone from Buffalo to San Diego in the middle of the winter when I've just changed my entire life and I'm feeling a little emotionally shaky. And I just got an intuition to invite this guy, Mike. And I, I was like, that's crazy. You don't know him. <laughs> and, uh, and I did it anyway. I just, you know, I consulted a few friends. I said, is this totally nuts? Should I do this? And, and I, I, I sent him, well, first, I sent him a really neurotic email, which was like, you know, oh, you could, I'm inviting you on this thing, but it's okay if you can't come. And, you know, I mean, 50 million disclaimers. And luckily I showed it to a girlfriend of mine and she looked at it and she said, you cannot send this. This is a crazy girl email. And she deleted it and took my phone and sent him the text. I had this really fun idea. Do you want to drive across the country with me? Which To which he replied, yes. And so that was two and a half years ago. And um, we're actually getting married next summer. So it worked out. There was a time when the apothecary was a place where you could get safe, reliable medicines, carefully prepared by experienced professionals, coupled with care and attention, focused on you and your unique health concerns. Apothecary by Design is built around the forgotten notion that you don't just need your prescriptions filled, you need attention, advice, and individual care. Visit their website, apothecarybydesign.com, or drop by the store at 84 Marginal Way in Portland and experience pharmacy care the way it was meant to be. And isn't that something that you have found over time is that when you start doing things that are sort of more foundationally sound for yourself, that the right other things kind of come in to help you be more of who you already are? That is such a good point. You know, I think whether we're looking for a relationship or romantic relationship or uh, financial well-being, there is this feeling of like, oh, I should go chase doing the quote unquote the right things. I should go on Match.com. <laughs> you know, I should do do the right things. And what I found was the more I focused on taking care of my own well-being and doing the things that I knew I needed to do 
absolutely. I I was able. I found a great guy. I managed to reorganize my financial life, so I paid off all of my debt really soon after I left for the Freedom Tour. Um, things got better in my relationship with my mom. You know, all of those things started to work out when I prioritized. Okay, what needs to happen to take care of you on the foundational level, like you said? And you became your own, as you said, Prince Charming. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a concept. Um, Barbara Stanny, who's been one of my mentors, wrote a great book called Prince Charming Isn't Coming, which is a somewhat depressing title. However, <laughs> the concept of the book is really become your own Prince Charming. And I had noticed for myself, I was kind of waiting for somebody else to take care of me. Even though, I mean, I'm shocked even saying that right now. I mean, I was raised in a household with two doctors. I have an Ivy League education. I've had so many things supporting me in being all that I can be. And yet I was still kind of thinking like, well, maybe some guy's going to come around and take care of it for me. Or maybe my mom's just going to do it for me. And I really saw the way I would I would step back and not take action because I kind of hoped somebody else would do it. And so I did become my own Prince Charming. I kind of took the bull by the horns and said, you know what? I'm not going to wait for somebody else to do this. I am going off on this trip. I'm doing it by myself. And ultimately, I ended up not doing it by myself. But the intention was to do it by myself. And I'm going to create the life I want right now and not wait for something else to come along. And that was a really powerful choice. Walk me through some of the other steps that you suggest to people and um, steps that people can find when they go out and buy your book. So one of the things that you can do is... Uh, honesty and telling the truth are just such a key aspect to, I think, living a wholehearted life, but also getting your finances together. And I was living in financial avoidance, as I mentioned. I mean, literally, I wasn't opening my credit card bills. And I sat down, I avoided doing this for so long, but when I finally sat down and added up everything I spent, added up everything I made, added up everything I owed, and to whom, and by when, and what the APR rate was, the the energy that I got from doing that exercise and telling the truth was tremendous. I mean, I felt like a superhero. I felt like I could do anything because in order to know where we want to go, in order to get the directions for where we want to go, like you're typing it into a GPS, you have to know your current location first. And I was living in La La Land around my current location. And I have found in talking to people, that's a common scenario, that there there's like a, a lot of vagueness around money. And so if you cut the vagueness and get honest, then you can set about creating the, the financial reality that you really want, but you can't do that unless you know where you're starting from. So that's, tell the truth is really one of the most important steps that I, I find. And it also, when you tell the truth, it also um, diminishes a lot of the shame surrounding money. Uh, money is such a, can be such a source of shame in our lives. And one of the best ways to alleviate shame is to talk about it. And that immediately lightens the emotional load. And so telling the truth to yourself, but then also finding somebody you trust, you know, who loves you unconditionally to tell the truth to as well can be incredibly healing. You also talk about, um, I, I don't think you call it payments, but blessings already received, Yeah, which is an interesting way to look at, uh, I guess we would call them our, some people would call them debts or 
invoices or <laughs> yeah but you're looking at it as you know i i this is money that i'm paying for the chance to have made a lot of texts to people i love last month so i'm going to um thank at&t to um for that chance so yeah. is it reframing also that is useful as people are going through this process i think it's hugely useful because money is we just made up money as humans. I mean, it doesn't exist. And so it really has a very strong energetic component. And some people would say money just is just energy. Um, I like to shy away from that slightly just because it's a little too woo-woo for some people. <laughs> but, but really, it is money is a stand-in for what we value. And so to use money properly, what we need to do is align it with our values and get into valuing tremendously what it brings us because money is just a tool to create certain experiences, to buy certain things, to invest in certain things, to grow certain things. And so, yeah, when it comes to paying your bills every month, I love renaming them invoices for blessings already received. And that just changes the whole energy of it. I mean, yesterday I was paying some invoices and um, one of them was for my assistant, one of them was for some food, and one of them was for some video editing. And I took a moment as I was writing checks to get into a place of how awesome is it that I now have these five beautifully edited videos that I can put out to the world? Thank you, Stuart, for that. How great is it that I had two weeks of help from Jessie, who helped me out? I mean, she's awesome. And how awesome is it that I had this incredible food from Jenny and a great birthday cake for, for my fiance? I mean, really taking that time as you're paying those invoices for blessings already received to relive the value of the things that you have gotten instead of saying, ugh, I have to pay bills again. I mean, that's just an awful way of going through life. You're going to have to pay bills for the rest of your life. So why not make it a fun, ju like juicy, joyful, grateful experience? And you also um, approach, I guess, spending and buying things the same way, where it's, you know that, I mean, all of us know that we need to cut, quote unquote, cut our expenses if we're going to try and save money and put it towards our debts or put it towards our invoices for blessings already received. But um you talk about it in a way that makes it more palatable. If I save this money, then it's more money for me. Yeah. So there's this concept of a money for me account, and you can open it as a free savings account online, or um, you know, you could stash it in a tin coffee can or whatever you want to do. But the idea is um, when you are spending money to ask yourself, would it feel better to spend it and have this thing I'm about to buy? Or would it feel better to essentially pay myself and put this money in the money for me account? So every time you have unexpected income, every time you ask for a fee to be taken off your credit card or your bank account, every time you were about to spend money but you decide not to, every time you have a, um, a captured expense like a child who's in daycare but then is going to kindergarten, which is free, take the $800 or whatever and put it in the money for me account every month. Otherwise, it just gets lost in your financial, in your family's expenses. And at the end of the month, you can look at that money for me account and see and really feel how good it feels to pay yourself instead of buying stuff. And then you can do what you want with it. You can put it in savings. You can put it towards paying off debt. You can you know put it in your child's college fund, whatever it is. But what you've begun to do is rewire yourself so that saving money and paying yourself begins to feel more abundant than spending money. And so it's actually creating a different emotional experience and you're kind of training yourself like Pavlov's dog. 
And how much time do you suggest people spend on, um, I guess, understanding their money and setting up plans? And how long does it usually take before people get into a place where things are looking good again? That's a great question. I mean, studies have shown that it takes 21 days about to form a new habit. But then those new habits have to take hold so that you, your reality shifts. Um, I think that, you know, actually, I had somebody who's reading the book right now. I have a Facebook group for people who are reading the book, and anybody can join in on that. And she just did the first chapter, which is telling her own money love story. And she said that she actually didn't have the money in her on her credit card to buy the book, and she had to wait a few days to put together the $10 to buy the book. So, I mean, we're talking... She was in a serious financial pickle. And she said within a few days of doing some of the exercises and shifting her energy, she had a $2,500 windfall and now is able to pay her overdue electricity bill, pay her mortgage, and have a little breathing room this month. And to me, I mean, that was, she only did chapter one. She's only, you know, she's just getting started. And the shift in energy can be fast and profound. And I really invite people to have a quantum shift like that and to say, you know, it is possible to change things fast. It doesn't have to take years. It doesn't have to be hard. Well, that that last part is important. And in fact, you've addressed this, that even as you're saving money, you don't want to throw it all towards your past debts because that can be very disheartening. Absolutely. A lot of people will go from getting into debt to getting into deprivation and feeling like, oh my gosh, I've been bad and therefore I need to punish myself by not allowing myself to eat out, by never buying anything that's not absolutely necessary, by you know keeping my house freezing cold, which would be awful in Maine, <laughs> and things like that. And then, and then they spend years kind of suffering as a way of, quote unquote, atoning for their sins of, of going into debt. And the reality is, You know, you made the decisions you made in the past, and you were a different person then. We all have things that we wish we had not done (laughs) in our past, but beating ourselves up for it in the present doesn't actually help us change, because beating ourselves up in the present for things we did in the past just makes us feel bad. And when you feel bad, you don't make great decisions. And so the idea is allow yourself to enjoy the process today of digging yourself out of debt, of living abundantly no matter what. So how can you get that feeling of abundance from not spending very much money? And that can be a really fun game. Is it doing an at-home manicure and pedicure with your daughters, which would not cost you more than a bottle of nail polish? You know, is it taking a bubble bath, which it turns out is free? All those different things can really create that consciousness of abundance without needing to spend a lot of money. As a physician and small business owner, I rely on Marcy Booth from Booth, Maine to help me with my own business and to help me live my own life fully. Here are a few thoughts from Marcy. The numbers never lie. It's a phrase we've all heard hundreds, if not thousands of times. But as trite as it may be, It really is one of the golden truths of business and personal finance. And while it takes discipline to keep your eye on the numbers, to look at what are sometimes difficult truths, when you do it regularly, two things happen. It becomes easier over time, and you truly start to understand what the numbers actually mean and how you can make your life better. I'm Marcy Booth. Let's talk about the changes you need. BoothMaine.com This segment of the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour is brought to you by the following generous sponsors. Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of Remax Heritage in Yarmouth, Maine. 
Honesty and integrity can take you home. With Remax Heritage, it's your move. Learn more at rheritage.com. Using recycled sails collected from sailors and sailing communities around the world, Seabags designs and manufactures bags, totes, and accessories in Maine on Portland's working waterfront. From the best-selling classic Navy Anchor Tote to fresh new designs, Seabags offers retired sails another life by turning them into handmade, one-of-a-kind, nautical-inspired pieces. Please visit the Seabags store in Portland or Freeport, or go to www.seabags.com to browse their unique collection. Where do people find out more about your book? About It sounds like you've got some um, DVDs coming out, and I know that you have a very strong online community. So what's the best place for people to go to? If you go to katenorthrop.com, you can find all of that. I do a series on Fridays called Financial Freedom Friday, and those videos come out over email, and there's all sorts of free content on my website, including a quiz about what your relationship set with money says about you that you can take for free. And what are your favorite things to do when you're not thinking about your career and the book that you wrote and you're not planning your wedding? And what do you like to do? I love to be on the water in Maine. I just can't imagine living somewhere not on the water. So paddleboarding, sailing, just sitting on the beach. I love that. Um, I love to dance. So whether it's a classic Casco Bay Movers or just heading over to Zumba, I just, those are my favorite things. And then I practice a lot of yoga as well, and I love to practice yoga. Do you think that the time that you spent with Julia Littlefield in her drama camp in Yarmouth, <laughs> Maine, do you think that that has contributed positively to your life now? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's so funny. I spent a lot of time doing theater and performance growing up um, with. Annie, uh, I'm sorry, with Lynn Erkinen and the Playmakers and all these different things. And I do. It's funny. I feel like now some of what I do is a little bit, it's not a performance because it's real life, but it's also like you're standing in front of people speaking or whatever. And I'm, I'm so glad I had that training to practice. So in some interesting way, everything has sort of led up to the person that you are now and to what you're doing right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we've been speaking with Kate Northrup, who is the author of Money, A Love Story, and she's also so much more. So I really in- encourage people to go and spend some time um, on her website and also pick up her book and give it a look. And I really appreciate your coming in and talking to us today, Kate. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. From the very beginning of the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour, we have spoken about the importance of financial fitness in addition to being um, to physical fitness and emotional fitness. And also from the beginning, Tom Shepard from Shepard Financial has been one of our biggest supporters, and he happens to be um, one of my biggest personal supporter and supporters, and someone who helps me with my own financial fitness. So, Tom, we're getting into the end of the year, and I know people are thinking about their finances and what things are going to look like as we close out 2013 and head into 2014. What kinds of things do you talk to your clients about? Well, it's funny because now that we've reached sort of the fall season and we're all um, sort of winding down our summer activities, it's almost like in Maine, the work season has begun because the play season is over. And um, so a lot of times what we're doing is really trying to check in with people and make sure that they're on track for their year-end goals, 
Um, and so checking in with them this time of year, there's, there's often a lot of stuff that hasn't been addressed for several months. Um, and in some cases, maybe several years if it's somebody who's, who's new. And um, so the first thing that we always try and do is get reconnected to just the fundamentals, the basics, the foundation of what it means to um, prepare your life financially to grow and develop the way you want it to. Um, so one of the first exercises we'd be doing with people right now is, is to just try and get it all out of their head, you know, get it all down on a piece of paper, whether it's the numbers or the emotions or the, the, the goals that you um, have for yourself, the things that you want to spend money on. Um, right now, that's where we're really trying to, trying to help people get connected uh, to their money and, and feel like it's empowering them uh, to, to, to sort of power through to the end of the year. Um, because we know that come the holiday season, we'll all get busy and, and, um, be focused on other things. And so now's a really good time to sort of buckle down and get back to the basics. So you provide some sort of tools to the people that come in to see you. We have a, a, a great tool, um, called eMoney. It's a, it's an aggregation system. So if you've got account numbers, um, and, user IDs and passwords to other accounts, your credit cards, your brokerage statements, your 401k plan, all that stuff. Um, you can actually get it so that it's all connected in one place. And then from that, we don't have to spend time gathering information. We can instead start to look at it. And that's the second thing that we really help people to do is put things into a format so that you can better be able to see what it is that's in front of you. Because if you get it out of your head and then you can actually look at it, it's often easier to see the big picture, the truth. Um, and that's sort of the second thing that we would recommend that people do um, this time of year is, is, is really try to get connected to um, how your money fluctuates. Um, it ebbs and flows. Maybe the summer was all about spending your money and spending your time. And the fall sometimes really needs to be a different season, um, to look at how you spent it and to think about how you'd like to do that again next year, which is one of the things we, we talked about in a, in a spot on one of your previous shows. Okay. So we get it out of our heads and mm -hmm. we get it into a system that enables us to look at it differently. And then what do we do with it? So the biggest thing that I think um, we get stuck on is, is our incomes don't always align with our expenses. And so if we've had a great month um, in terms of earnings, maybe we're a commissioned salesperson and, um, you know, yay me, I get to go celebrate. And so sometimes we go off the deep end, spend too much money, not realizing that there were three or four big bills coming up. Um, that we forgot we were going to have to pay, and then the downtime, you end up with less money. So that's, that's kind of a fluctuating income. So we try and encourage people to look and calendar. Um, you know, why is it a surprise every year that I have to spend $160 at the Cumberland Fair? <laughs> you know, that's, that's going to happen every single year. Um, we do not escrow our real estate taxes. I know that I have to prepare for that. Christmas happens the same day every year. Um, and yet so many people are surprised. And so the next thing we do is really take a look at how do you bridge those gaps? Are you somebody who relies on credit or do you build your own credit, your own source of income, your own savings, 
um, to try and get you through those expense periods where you have fluctuation. So you're talking about really longer term planning. You're talking about looking at something that could be helpful to somebody in more than a year's time. We're talking about looking ahead rather than just looking at your current statements. In this electronic age, it's really easy to know how much is in your account. And you can even maybe program the two checks that you wrote that haven't processed yet. Um, But what we're talking about is take that a step deeper because it's all just electronic. It's all sort of invisible. We never handle money anymore. So we have to do things to help us get it out on paper, black and white, look at it, see it, understand what that needs to do to alter our behavior so we're actually prepared for the future. We need to look ahead. And most people, you know, really don't. And so doing that looking ahead, saving that money leads us to then have money. And then what do we do with that money? That's sort of the next step. All right. Well, tell us about that next step. So if we don't have enough and we're not going to use other people's money, then we need to start looking around to try and identify how we can create value. Um, I was reading Kate Northrup's book. And in it, she tells a story about how, you know, a friend comes to you and says, I need to borrow some money to make it to two weeks from now, and I'll pay you back then. And she talks about your decision about saying yes or no to that. Is there something you could help that person to do that's not giving them the $1,000? Could you help them sit down, look at their resources, and figure out how to create the value they need to make it through the next two weeks? So if you teach somebody to fish, they'll fish for the rest of their life. But if you just give them a loan of $1,000, then you're just going to be stressed out about the fact you just loaned a friend $1,000. They're going to be stressed out about it. It's all going to be this this burden, this chain. Um, And that's sort of what debt has created for people. And we, we like to do that work to try and help them figure out how to get beyond that. The trick there, though, is, is to do that in a way that doesn't make them feel like getting out of debt has to be the sole reason for their existence. So you have another tip for us in this area? you got to get connected to your money. If you don't understand why to save, if you don't understand why you should have some money, if you can't hold on to money, if you don't realize that it can have value beyond um, today or yesterday... Um, but what can it do for you tomorrow, then you're never going to want to have it. You're never going to want to actually own assets. And, and that's the biggest thing that we try to do with people is make sure that when they evaluate your expenses and you look at your incomes and you figure out how to actually have some savings, that that savings should do three things for you. The first thing it should do is protect your budget. So if you're going to invest money, you want to make sure you're investing in things that are going to do well when your budget is being impacted in a negative sense. So if we can get you to a neutral place, then you can look at creating a second income. What's the second income for? The second income is supposed to help make your life easier. It's supposed to help you pay down the credit cards. It's supposed to help you make your mortgage payments. It's supposed to help you do things that make life easier. And if you do those two things, It also, interestingly enough, will lead you to the opportunities that having money and investing it can create for you, which is the growth that most people are looking for out of their money. 
but sometimes it can come to you because you're taking care of your foundation first. So if energy costs were thirty dollars, you know, thirty dollars a barrel in two thousand and eight when the crisis happened, and now they're a hundred dollars, well, protecting yourself from that increase through some kind of an investment plan actually created the income, maybe to help offset the fact that you put gas in your car and heat your home, but it also creates an opportunity for you to have growth and appreciation as well. Well, Tom, I know that you have a, well, a wealth of information to offer to people and that people certainly should give you a call to find out more about what you've been um, discussing with us. But we also hope that you'll come in for future shows and offer some more of these tips so people who are listening today will want to listen to next week's show and the show after that and the show after that because you're going to expand on this for us, aren't you? We try to expand on it every single week, and there's a pattern to the way that we actually go about it. Um, And those patterns are depicted in the pictures that we have on our website. Um, The last piece I would leave you with is is that if you're going to do this work, you got to celebrate the small victories. You, you You have to be grateful for whatever successes you do have. Um, because those are the things that keep you coming back for, for doing this more and more and more, you know, use your money is, is, is just as important as saving it, using it, but using it in a way that actually empowers you and keeps you wanting to do it more and more and more. Tom, thank you for helping us be more financially fit here on the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast. Also, thank you for helping me be more financially fit and for all of the things that you've taught me over the last few years. I appreciate your being um, part of my world, and I know that the people who are listening appreciate your being part of their world as well. Well, they probably don't know that you were my financial coach for two years as well. So (laughs) what goes around comes around, and I thank you for that. Tom, what's the best way for people to reach you? Uh, the best way to reach me is just to send me an email at tom at shepherdfinancialmain.com. Um, if you want to just get some exposure to the seven steps that people need to go through in order to be successful with their money, and they need to repeat them over and over and over again, um, you can go to shepherdfinancialmain.com, uh, which is our website. All right. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. The goal of the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour is to help make connections between the health of the individual and the health of the community. The goal of Ted Carter-inspired landscapes is to deepen our appreciation for the natural world. Here to speak with us today is Ted Carter. One of the things that I've found particularly interesting about this season that's just passing now is that people are dealing with end-of-life issues with their parents and with loved ones in a way that I've not seen before in this number. What I'm finding is that people want to create a beautiful space for themselves to sort of reflect, remember, share their life experiences, and do some deep introspective work because we start to realize as we age that we only have so much time left and we want to really enjoy that time in a place that we deem to be sacred and special for us and our family and our loved ones. So that's really what I find myself doing most often is working with people to try to create these spaces that really start to get them to think deeper about what their calling is in life. I'm Ted Carter, 
And if you'd like to contact me, I can be reached at tedcarterdesign.com. We'll return to our program after acknowledging the following generous sponsors. Dr. John Herzog of Orthopedic Specialists in Falmouth, Maine. At Orthopedic Specialists, ultrasound technology is taken to the highest degree. With state-of-the-art ultrasound equipment, small areas of tendonitis, muscle and ligament tears, instability, and arthritic conditions can be easily found during examination. For more information, visit orthocareme.com or call 207-781-9077. We at the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour know that our listeners understand the importance of the health of the mind, body, and spirit. Here to talk about the health of the body is Travis Bullier, a premier sports health, a division of Black Bear Medical. At Black Bear Medical, we want to help people who want to stay in their homes but can't access it due to a mobility deficit. Our home accessibility department has some great solutions that allow people to get everywhere in their home. We have ramps and wheelchair elevators for negotiating entrance stairs and stairway lifts that will help people access upstairs rooms when climbing the stairs becomes unsafe. Our product experts will come to your house, offer advice, and a free home accessibility quote. We can even accommodate temporary needs with our rental program. We even take it a step further with products that can help people transport their wheelchairs and scooters in or on their vehicles. Stay safe in your home and go where you want to go with Black Bear Medical and our home accessibility geeks. Visit our locations in Portland and Bangor or visit blackbearmedical.com for more. For those of us who grew up in the sort of television era, we always think about the commercial that goes, two great tastes that taste great together, chocolate and peanut butter. Now, I don't think that Stephanie Cabot is old enough to really remember this commercial. It's about a chocolate bar. She's doing the opposite thing. She's bringing two great things together, and this would be yoga and cycling. Um, Stephanie Cabot is the owner, founder, and cycling instructor at Rev Cycling Studio, which is right here in Portland. Um, And I think it's pretty interesting that you've managed to do yoga and cycling, both in a short space of time in your brand new studio. Um, And I wanted to bring you in to talk to you about this. Yeah, um, so Rev just opened two months ago, um, and the cycling and yoga component is taking off. So it's what it is is it's 45 minutes of cycling in a, um, a room that's dimly lit, um, has energizing music, motivating teachers, and then you transition in a span of like three to five minutes, give you time to actually take a few breaths, decompose, and go right into the yoga studio where you follow it up with a 32-hour-long yoga class um, where you come out feeling like a new person. And you yourself, you went to Bates, you played field hockey and squash. Um, You began cycling as part of your training in the off season. I did. So I originally got into cycling or spinning um, going into my sophomore year of college. um, And I used it as a training regime because um, I had a stress fracture in my foot and I found I couldn't run or I couldn't do any of the training that I'd previously done. So I could hop on the bike and do interval work. And that's how I originally fell in love with cycling. On the other side of it is yoga. Now, we know that in order to be um, strong and fast, we have to be able to work on our endurance and our strength. But then there's the flexibility piece and the flexibility not only of um, body but of mind that yoga brings. Right, right. So the great component about Rev is... um, 
During the cycling classes, you kind of are in a dark environment. It allows you not to be competitive with other people in the room. You kind of focus in on your own kind of performance. And then the same goes with um, the yoga component afterwards. You really are internally reflecting on everything you've just accomplished, as well as um, in cycling, you're compressing your muscles. And then in this form of yoga, um, we're really working to like open up the chest, um, kind of elongate our leg muscles. everything to make it so that you can stay healthy and keep living a very active lifestyle. Why do this in Portland, Maine? You're originally from, I believe, outside of Boston. Um, That's a great question. So I came to Portland a little over a year ago after graduating from Bates. I took a little span of traveling time. Um, And since coming back, um, when I originally decided to open up Rev, there wasn't an indoor cycling studio, and um, especially one with a yoga component. And Portland is such a cool city. It has so much going on, so many great activities, um, but there are some cold months. So I personally was looking for a place that I would want to go to to exercise um, and to not make it feel like a regular gym. I wanted to go beyond just the gym environment and create something um, something like a community where people can go and kind of hang out after the class, um, get to know each other, and then really generate this great energy during the class that helps people um, increase their fitness level. And how's that working out for you? How is your community coming along? It's going surprisingly well. I am very impressed, especially since um, it's so young. It's a new concept, but people just keep coming in and it's fabulous. I get to meet a ton of very interesting people um, and the Rev community is definitely growing, which is great. Now you're a relatively recent um, Bates graduate taking a big chance and opening a new studio in what's for you a new city, Mm -hmm. Um, not necessarily a new state, but not your home state. Right. This takes some good determination and some bravery. How do you kind of keep showing up every day and kind of digging deep so that you can move this forward, something that you really believe in? I really find that um, I show up every day to see the people. I know people are depending on me. I know um, they're very interested in what we do at the studio, using that inspirational music to motivate people. Um, We're trying to kind of um, work together to accomplish a set goal and just seeing people so excited about coming in and leaving so energized, um, that keeps me coming back and keeps me energized. Um, and then there's also my dog who's always waiting outside who, whatever he's doing, he always brings light to the situation. You have a background also, I believe, in art history. Is that right? I do, yes. I was an art history major. So how has that been brought into the mix as you're moving forward in uh, the creation of your new business? Um, Well, that was actually, I focused more on architecture. So architecture, interior design, that type of thing. Um, So when I actually built out the space, I could put a lot of those tools into um, the mix. So I had a fabulous time kind of designing, working with another um, Bates graduate, um, a local um, contractor in the area. And we got to make a very kind of zen um, space that you wouldn't think of as your normal gym space, um, which was great, which is fabulous. I had a great time doing that. Have there been any challenges that you've encountered along the way? 
Definitely marketing. I did not anticipate how difficult. I kind of expected, oh, put up the sign, put up the little blackboard outside and people will just flood in. That's not the case as a small business there. It boggles my mind how people succeed and just keep, you have to be so determined and you just have to get out there and um, marketing was definitely something I'm constantly working on every day, whether it's social media, whether it's print, whether it's um, anything, it's it's been a big eye opener. So you have this great product and now you need people to know about it really. Exactly, exactly. And that takes time, I think. I think um, word of mouth is big, but for right now, we've got a great core community, a lot of regulars, and that's fabulous. So do you have a website or We do Facebook have a page? website and Facebook page, Instagram, Pinterest. We've got it all. Um, the website's revcyclingstudio.com, and it's um, very easy to use, user-friendly, um, and it's got a great sign-up system where you can reserve a class seven days in advance and cancel up to 12 hours before the class. So we want to make it super easy for people to either just walk in and show up um, or sign up online if they know their schedule. Stephanie, I wish you um, all the best. You have great energy. I know that you're very enthusiastic about the Rev Cycling Studio, and it sounds like a place where people can get um, many of their needs met all at the same time, community and some uh, endurance and strength and um, aerobic workout and also the yoga flexibility and breathing. So I encourage people to go to your website or drop in and meet you. Um, We've been speaking with Stephanie Cabot, who's the owner, founder, and cycling instructor at Rev Cycling Studio. Thank you. It was great to be here. You have been listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, show number 110, Financial Fitness. Our guests today have included Kate Northrup, Tom Shepard, and Stephanie Cabot. For more information on our guests and extended interviews, visit doctorlisa.org. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is downloadable for free on iTunes. For a preview of each week's show, sign up for our e-newsletter and like our Dr. Lisa Facebook page. Follow me on Twitter and Pinterest and read my take on health and well-being on the Bountiful blog. We love to hear from you, so please let us know what you think of the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour. We welcome your suggestions for future shows. Also, let our sponsors know that you have heard about them here. We are privileged that they enable us to bring the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour to you each week. This is Dr. Lisa Belial. I hope that you have enjoyed our financial fitness show. I also hope that you take a moment to think about the low-hanging and maybe not so low-hanging financial fruit in your life. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your day. May you have a bountiful life. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is made possible with the support of the following generous sponsors. Maine Magazine, Marcy Booth of Booth, Maine, Apothecary by Design, Premier Sports Health, a division of Black Bear Medical, Dr. John Herzog of Orthopedic Specialists, Sea Bags, Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of Remax Heritage, Ted Carter, Inspired Landscapes, and Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour is recorded in the studio of Maine Magazine at 75 Market Street, Portland, Maine. Our executive producers are Kevin Thomas and Dr. Lisa Belial. Audio production and original music by John C. McCain. Our assistant producer is Leanne Wiemet. Our online producer is Katie Kelleher.
Become a subscriber of Dr. Lisa Belial on iTunes. See the Dr. Lisa website or Facebook page for details. Summaries of all our past shows can be found at doctorlisa.org. Thank you.